0: Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome Pete Doctor. First of all, this is a a unique film for Pixar. I, basically, it's the tenth, moving up the evolutionary ladder. Um, a, uh, a, a film focused on the yearnings of an elderly man. N- n- no talking toys, bugs, monsters, fish, cars, uh, robots from outer space, or superheroes. Um, how did this film come about? How did it? Uh, because I know that many directors start with getting a script. But at Pixar, the involvement of the director happens at the very beginning.
1: Yeah, we started with a drawing, actually. And uh, I had drawn this little image of a really grouchy kind of guy with these happy, fun, colorful balloons. And we just thought there was something funny about that. And then uh, it was basically me and this other guy named Bob Peterson, who was the co-director and uh, head writer. And I noticed that a lot of our ideas had to do with escaping... The world. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just animators or if everybody feels that, that at the end of the day, sometimes you just had it up to here and you just want to crawl under your bed and hide. And so the idea of this floating house just seemed very appealing. And we just crossed those ideas and started basically answering the questions of where is he going and how did this happen and that's where the film came from. And,
0: um, what was your animation, uh, sorry, inspiration for the character of Carl, and how did you get those movements of someone who is a sort of person who isn't usually depicted in an animated film?
1: Well, we started with uh, a bunch of uh, folks that we knew, like my grandfather, and uh, um, we looked at Spencer Tracy and Look Who's Coming to Dinner. We looked at uh, uh, Walter Matthau, Bad News Bears. We looked, you know, there's a great history of grouchy characters and they're really fun to do because they have such attitude you know you know how they're going to act when somebody comes to the door how they're going to you know slam the door in their face and that's all really fun uh, to watch and they can kind of get away with it too because they're older and they've been through a lot and you don't dislike them for it you know so um we kind of just he's kind of like a best uh greatest hits of folks that we knew <laughs>
0: And uh, I want to get to the, the kids. First of all, does everybody know what comes first in an animated movie? Do they make the moving images, or they, do they record the voices of the actors?
1: Who thinks we record the voices first? Three people. Who, all right. thinks, who thinks we do the animation and then record the voices?
0: Okay, well, those of you who think they record the voices first are correct. Um, and... The director also directs the real actors when they record the voices. I'm curious about the kids especially. Um, How did you get those performances out of what I've read are non-professional actors?
1: Yeah, Russell, we wanted just to make sure that he seemed like a real kid, and so we got a real kid. He had never done uh, acting before, and um, we cast him pretty much just based on his voice. We put out a casting call we had I think it was 450 or maybe 500 kids that came in and read. And uh, there was this one boy who just sounded really charming, appealing, a little bit like, it was a little bit like, yeah, I don't know if you guys are animation fans, but you hear the story about Thumper from Bambi. And um, the kid came in and the director said, oh, get him out of here, he can't act. And the animator said, no, 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 keep him. You know, There's something really charming and interesting. And it was a little bit like that with, with Jordan. He wasn't an actor. We had to do a lot of tricks. Like, you know, when he was supposed to laugh when the bird is tickling him, I I grabbed him by the ankle, held him upside down and tickled him and said, okay, now go say, say your line. And I ruined a couple takes because I was panting so heavily, (laughs) you know, trying to hold him upside down. Or um, a lot of times he'd get bored. So I would say, all right, on this take, I'm going to turn the line over. So you have to memorize it. And now run around... Over there to the chair, run around three times, jump up and down, run back to the cord, and then say the line, ready, go! And so he'd do all that, and then it would help the energy of the line. So, had to trick him a
0: lot. You did that with Ed Asner, Ed Asner also for... <laughs> it didn't uh, work as well with him. Yeah. And uh, there, you, you seem to have a special connection with the uh, actress who voices uh, young Ellie. Um, ha- have you two worked together before?
1: Well, yeah, that was my daughter. Uh, so we worked together a little bit. <laughs> we basically got her in just because, I don't know, we were talking about the way we work, we pretty much, we write the script, then we draw a version of almost like uh, comic books, and we film that, and we do our own dialogue and sound effects and music. And we knew that if one of us tried to do the dialogue of this little kid, everybody would be so distracted by the bad you know, performance that they wouldn't pay attention to the scene, so we got my daughter to come in, do the voice, just we thought temporarily until we got a professional actor, but she worked out really well and and so we kept her
0: and um i I would assume that uh, she has a bright future um, <laughs> and, well, I, uh...
1: I kind of hope not, but <laughs> I, don't, I think she she enjoyed it, but uh, she's busy you know in fifth grade, so.
0: Well, you, you mentioned uh, Thumper and Bambi. Um, I'm wondering if the classic films from Disney, the you know, from Snow White to Peter Pan to Dumbo, and the people who did that animation, oftentimes, I, I believe they were called the Nine Old Men or something like that, um, had an influence on you and whether you even had any interaction with, with these uh, animators of the classic Disney films.
1: Yeah, I did. After Toy Story. So I grew up watching all these films, Dumbo and Peter Pan, and I was a huge fan of these films. And one of the great joys of, of having found success on Toy Story was getting to meet these guys, you know. And so when I met them, they were all in their 70s, 80s, some of them in their 90s. And I sort of associated all this magic with these old people. And so, in a way, that was sort of the, start, uh, the starting of this film is that there's something to me really uh, amazing about uh, older folks. And actually, that reminds me of another story This um, John Lasseter told us. He was trying to make Xeroxes up at a, a copy center up where he lives in Sonoma. And this guy, this older guy was in front of him and he's taking a long time. And John was like, come on, come on, come on, get going. And he looks over and he sees these photographs of Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogard and all this that he's Xeroxing. And John says, wow, where, where did you get those? And the guy, the old guy standing in front of him says, get them. I took them. And he turned out to be this famous photographer who had taken all these amazing photographs of Hollywood stars in the 40s and 50s. And I think that's just sort of, uh, there's all these amazing stories waiting to be told that a lot of times you don't hear about until you really poke a little bit. Um, and that's kind of, this film is meant to be a little bit of a tip of the hat to to that great generation.
0: Um, the way the film looks, I've heard that you actually had a kind of system of shapes and colors that are uh, supposed to affect the feelings that you have about the character and the story. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk to to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um,
1: As we started drawing Carl specifically... Um, we just felt like, okay, here's a guy, and we thought about it. Here's a guy who stays in his house. He just wants to be left alone. Nobody bug him. He just wants to stay put, and he has his routine. He wakes up every morning. He has stewed prunes, and he goes to check on the mail, and he has his way of working. He just felt like a square, you know, as we drew him. His head was square. His eyes, glasses were square. His body's square. Everything about him is square, and even the way we shot uh, those scenes, you'll see a lot of times uh, we framed him in squares. You know, he's very angular. Uh, the, the photographs on the wall, uh, Anytime you see a picture of Carl, he's in a square frame. His wife is in a circular frame, much more uh, life-giving, organic and fun and movement. And, and that's what she brought to the relationship. So we were just looking for ways to use shape and basically everything else we could think of, color, lighting, Even the 3D to really emphasize the emotional aspects of the film.
0: So, well, I know there are some people eager to ask questions. Uh, There were some hand raisers down here. Okay. Um, My question is a two-part question. How is it different directing an animated film that is 3D? And my second part is. How do you make 3D uh, films? Like, how is it different than a regular animated film? This is a two-part question. Um, how do you direct a 3D film and how do you make a 3D film it different, different from, from a... Tr- and you're talking about 3D computer graphics or stereoscopic 3D? Okay. With a, you're talking about with the glasses? I, I didn't know there was a different kind of 3D. <laughs> yes. Okay. You want to try to sure. take that?
1: Well, uh, basically, we didn't approach it any differently than we have our other films. In fact, the way we look at it, all of our films have been in 3D. It's just the first one we've been able to project in 3D. Uh, We really focused on the story and the characters. And there was a group, a separate group, that's followed along and figured out how to use 3D. And we talked to them a lot about... Um, how to emotionally affect it? Like he, ho- hopefully you didn't even really notice this, but as say Carl is at home after his wife is gone and he's just you know going down the stairs and eating breakfast and all that, we really squashed the space. We made it very flat. We tried to uh, emphasize this sort of feeling of claustrophobia and static. And then as he lifts his house off, we stretched it way out and emphasized the depth and really you know. Throughout the film, tried to use 3D as a storytelling device. But basically, the way it works is um, uh, a lot of times people feel like or, or think our films are drawings. And that's actually not true. We draw a lot at the beginning and in the planning. But what you're seeing is probably closer to like a marionette or a puppet theater, And so these characters exist as models inside the computer. And the camera can move anywhere you want. And you can move the characters, you can rotate them, whatever, whatever. So it's pretty simple to put in a second camera right next to the other one, about the distance your eyes are from each other. And that's basically the way 3D works, is you have two images that are slightly different than the other. And um, one eye sees one picture and the other eye sees the other. And it, in your brain, combines to be 3D. And so um, we're actually right now in the process of going back to Toy Story 1 and 2 and making them in 3D. And it's amazing how well it works, even though those films were made, well, whatever,
0: a while ago. And yes, you can do that much harder to do with films that you shoot with a real camera and real people. Um, so, uh, and I do encourage everybody to go see this again, 3D or 2D, and there'll probably be a short before it can you tell us you uh, didn't get to see the short no oh that's too bad yeah there's a guy so pixar
1: has done uh with every film so far we've had a short film and on this one uh actually the guy who inspired the character of russell this guy named pete stone um he actually made this short film called partly cloudy which is hilarious it's about basically you know that babies are brought to their parents by a stork well where do the storks get the babies And that's the story of Pete Short. Yes. You saw the bad guy?
0: You know him personally? That's right. You got it. Excellent. So the yeah, um, we have a future movie critic right here. Um, very well phrased. Um, I I think that's a lead into a quick question about the location of of Paradise Falls and those mountains. Is that based on a real place?
1: It is. In fact, I didn't know anything about this when we started this project, but we needed somewhere that Carl could get stuck with this kid and not just go to the police or to child services or whatever and say, here, take care of this kid. Uh, And so we were looking for somewhere really exotic and weird, and we found this location in South America. And these things are real. These mountains are called tapuies. And they are tabletop mountains, nearly a mile high. We got to go there. So Pixar, we love to do our research. On Toy Story, we got to go to the toy store with the company credit card. On this one... We got to go to South America with a company credit card, and um, it took us about three days to, f- to get there by airplanes, Jeeps, helicopters. We hiked up this mountain. We stayed overnight there three nights, sketched, took a lot of photographs, and um, I think we were able to capture uh, a sort of, sort of essence of the place that we would have not been able to had we not gone. It's an amazing, amazing place.
0: Uh, gentleman in front. Yeah. Uh, Do they use the same technologies to make video games as they do in 3D movies? Clips?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, everybody uses... some different software but it's all the basic same idea so you guys have to study your math because it's all basically geometry right you have shapes in space that are described by math i I don't know how this works but somehow it does and uh and that's how we build these puppets essentially
0: i think there's some people in the audience who could tell us a bit how it works um and uh, by the way, the museum does offer education programs in this very area where you can All find right. out how video games are made and make your own animation. Um, there was a person, oh, you dropped out. Gentleman with a beard, do you want to ask a question? This question related to the animation challenges specific to this film. For instance, Monsters, Inc., a big challenge was to animate fur.
1: Yeah, this one, uh, we had uh, ca- figured out a lot of that stuff, like cloth. They did an amazing job on The Incredibles. But on this one, we had um, balloons. So you have up to 20,000 balloons that all bump into each other and behave like they should in a windstorm or, or, you know, you can dial all that up and down. That was a, each one with a string that connects from the balloon to the, to the house. So that was a little bit of a challenge. We also, um, spent a lot of time working on clouds, you know, the volumetric clouds that you can actually turn in space there, you know, clouds are tricky cause they're not like a cup. You can kind of see through them a little bit and, uh, you want it to have a, a feeling of thickness. So that took a little bit of, of doing, um, but basically, the hardest thing on the film, I think, technically, was the stylization, the caricature. You know, Carl, most of us, if we measure ourselves by our heads, we're about seven or eight heads tall. Carl is three, you know. He has these little stubby arms that if he just raises them, he can't quite touch the top of his head because they're, they're so short. So a lot of things we had to cheat and stretch and grow and shrink. And, and hopefully you don't notice any of that. It all looks invisible. But that was actually very tricky.
0: Yeah. Two more questions. The question is, what inspired you to make animated films? That's a very good question.
1: I think uh, the thing... You know how in school there's always the guy who can really draw and he just draws all the time, dragons and superheroes and stuff? That was not me. <laughs> I really was not very good at drawing. But as soon as I figured out that I could make things move like in the corners of my, I was going to say the corners of my math book, but maybe that's not a good idea. Uh, in the corners of little flip books, uh, you, I, I was really interested in that. And so I made these little flip books. Uh, just, uh, my mom still has a big bucket full of them that I made. And that's how I started doing this. And that's basically what I'm doing now. Only I'm using millions of dollars worth of computer equipment instead of 10 cent flip books. Flipbook is basically a stack of little... It's a stack of paper, and each drawing that you make is a little bit different than the last one. So what you can do is you start on the last page. This is the way to do it, okay? So you start on the last page, and you make a drawing, and then you page one on top of it, and you can kind of see through it a little bit, you know what I mean? Because you can kind of see through the paper. And you make that drawing just a little bit different, and you keep going one page after another, and then when you flip through them, they look like they're moving. And when you get good... Not only are they moving; they look like they're thinking, like they're
0: alive, and that's what got me hooked. Okay, we have time for two last questions. Up there, the gentleman with a hand raise. Uh, felt sad when the explorer died. Uh, I thought maybe he could have just floated away. I wonder if you guys have like, looked a... uh, Felt sad that when the explorer died. Would have liked him maybe just to float away. Is there a sequel in the works? <laughs>
1: Well, that was the problem, actually. We tried it. We, we, I didn't want him to, to die. I would love to redeem him in some way. But every time we tried that, we had problems. Because if he's still out there, uh, he's going to get that bird. And we really want the bird to be safe. And so we actually had one version that we animated. We went that far. Where he got his legs stuck on balloons. And the balloons pulled him up into the sky. And he floated away. But even then, people said, "Ah, oh, right, you're saving him for a sequel. huh?" And
0: I didn't want that, so that was how we had to deal with it. You got a little finality there. That's good. Uh are there the Yanke- Yankees cap? Oh, there are two Yankees caps. Right. Amazing. That's okay, you go and then... Uh, the inspiration for the bird, Kevin. Um, The bird
1: was inspired by, we went to the zoo, I have two kids, and so we went to the zoo and we were just watching. And there's something about birds, like they have no expression, and yet just based on their movements, they have this really funny, quirky thing. And I just, watching them, I was like, I want to animate that. That would be, you know, there's something just funny, like you never know what they're going to do. <laughs> and so uh, it just seemed like a really fun uh, element to work into the film. Okay,
0: give me a chance. Well, claymation is still a technique and is used for, for films. Yeah. Yeah, you know, some uh, of the
1: great, you know, like Wallace and Gromit, I don't know if you guys are familiar with those. Uh, Aardman Animation does amazing claymation. And it's pretty much the same thing as we do. It's just that they use clay and we use computers, but it's still made one frame at a time like that. So
0: so um, I'm curious what you're working on now, although I guess you need a little break. But uh, first of all, what's the next Pixar film? And then what's the next Pete Doctor film?
1: Well, the next Pixar film is coming out about a year from now. It'll be called, a little film we like to call Toy Story 3. Um, And um, it's fun because it's the old characters that you got to know in one and two, plus some more. And uh, it really feels like of the same piece of those first two. It's being directed by this guy named Lee Unkrich, who was involved with the first two very very heavily. So it's really fantastic. And for me, I've got some ideas, but they're very foggy and vaporous. And so I need some sleeping time to figure it out.
0: Excellent. Well, we can't wait to see how they develop. Uh, Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank all of you for coming. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.